Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and the title was, What Next? And of course, this morning we talked two hours about the coronavirus, and uh, telling you all the things that other people don't tell you, that uh, don't seem to get in the news media, and don't even seem to be coming from the government. And why is that? I mean, everybody says, oh, we have to listen to the experts. You're not listening to the experts. You're listening to the media who is telling you what certain experts are saying. They probably don't tell you that the expert that everybody was listening to about the disastrous nature of this particular flu virus has rolled back his estimates from 500,000 in the UK to 20,000 or far less. Now, the virus has been going for... Uh, months now, and it was probably around long before, it, you know, they they just detected this virus. They were having flus. There's always flus going around. There were always people getting sick. They detected this virus in China near hospitals that actually had unusual facilities for determining the nature of a virus, the actual DNA and RNA of a virus. And they tested, and they came up with a genome, and they patented it right away, and then they finally let us know that there was a new virus on the horizon. Why did they have the facilities to do that? Well, they were right near the Wuhan Institute, where they store all kinds of viruses from all over the world. They've been collecting them uh, like a virus soup, and they study them. And they test them, and they test them on animals, and they test them, I I don't know if they test them on people or not, but they test them. They may test them in human tissue, because you can take human tissue now and keep it alive in a Petri dish, just like they can grow meat in a test tube now. They can grow meat. Actually, there's plans, and people are actually doing this, growing meat for human consumption in mechanical... Instruments. I mean, they, they, I don't know how exactly they do it, but they, they grow it in like a meat aquarium and uh, they're making it for human consumption. So if you can do that, then you can take that same meat or that same tissues and infect it with a virus and see what happens. And uh, I'm sure they're doing that kind of stuff. I mean, if... If I was a crazy uh, epidemiologist, I would do it also. But uh, I'm not, so I'm not doing it. But anyway, I, they're probably doing it. Anyway, the reason they had these hospitals, and they've been there for years and years and years, these testing facilities, because most viruses come out of China, because most viruses come from other animals and then suddenly mutate enough to cross over to people. If people are eating those animals... And they're interacting like they do with uh, pigs and swine and waterfowl and people in China. They have, that's a large portion of the diet in certain areas of China. And it's a good source of meat, except for the fact that it can produce viruses. 
or what we call viruses, flu viruses and diseases. And of course, then we heard the, you know, most of the time it comes from the pig to the people, uh, because waterfowl flesh is so different than ours, but pigs can be a stepping stone. And of course there are, you know, that's why we got swine flu and then we got bird flu because this is where they come from. And, and the coronavirus they, they say is a bat flu. And, you know, I heard rumors of a bunch of bats dying in Israel, just falling out of the sky, dying. Now, you hear these things. I, I don't like to even mention them on the radio unless I've corroborated them. Maybe somebody has real evidence. And photograph of a dead bat is not real evidence that they're falling out of the sky in Israel. And uh, you have to know your sources, which is one of the reasons why we are telling people to do what Christ commanded, which is to gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. I just got a message from somebody, and I, I was quickly trying to look at it before the program started, thinking maybe he's going to give me some important information that might help people and might protect people. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If we care about others, we're supposed to be doing that. And so I opened it up and looked at it. It's a 42-minute long video. And I thought, oh, my gosh, and he doesn't tell me what it's all about. And so I click on it, and, and I, I see just talking in a car about being outside somebody's house. And I, so I thought, oh, hey, well, I can't. Hey, let's get to the substance of this. And so I click a little farther in there, and it loads, and it's somebody singing. And then I click a little farther, and it's somebody else singing with the other person and playing music and singing. So it's 40 minutes of singing. Well, that's great. I love singing. But that God didn't say, <laughs> uh, seek the song. Well, you are supposed to learn the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. But the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb isn't played with musical instruments. It's played on the heartstrings of the people. Who actually love their neighbor as themselves. Don't try to create a feeling of love and caring and emotion with music. Which you can do. But that's not seeking the kingdom. That's just having a good time. And that's fine. You can have a good time. But don't equate the emotional experience you feel by singing emotional music that stimulates you. To have a good feeling or a righteous feeling. No, that isn't how you do it. Well, the way you do it, if you're seeking the kingdom, is to lay down your life daily for your fellow man. And rightly divide the bread of charity from house to house. And not go to the men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. Not to... Pray to the fathers of the earth for the unrighteous wages uh, that they offer in the form of benefits and welfare. You're not supposed to be doing that. If you're doing that and singing, lots of luck. Because God's not impressed with your music. He's going to tell you, get you from me because you, you can't sing. <laughs> or get you from me, ye workers of iniquity. Because looking to the men... Who exercise authority so that you can live at the expense of your neighbor and depend for your livelihood on the property of your neighbor. To do that is not righteous. That is a covetous practice. And if you're doing those covetous practices, then you will be made merchandise. 
you will curse your children and you will become a surety of debt. You wouldn't want that to happen, except for the fact that it's already happened. So anyway, we were going to talk about the coronavirus and, and we did this morning for two hours and gave you a lot of new information that a lot of people don't know. And you probably will not hear on CNN. You might hear it on Fox. You might hear it from Ben Shapiro. He did mention some of this. But the reality is, is that the estimates coming out of teams of epidemiologists uh, who are working on the coronavirus in Oxford University. These are experts, top experts in England. And why do I pick England? Well, because Ferguson, who came out with these outlandish death rates of 500,000 dead in Great Britain, and uh, we're supposed to be all hiding in our homes and stop working and cripple the economy because otherwise millions upon millions of people will die. That's what they're telling us. And that's pretty scary stuff. And you don't want to be wrong and say, oh, that don't matter. And I'm not telling you to break the curfew. I'm telling you, wise up and wake up and listen not to what the media feeds you. But actually go out and find the real experts, all the experts, and find out what a consensus of the experts are. Not like the global warming thing, where they say, oh, thousands of scientists. I can show you thousands of scientists that don't come to the same conclusion. And more and more evidence that the conclusions were skewed. Now, I'm not saying there isn't global warming, but is it man-cost? And what's likely to happen after the global warming reaches a certain peak? And... Carbon dioxide increased in the atmosphere is not going to increase the temperature exponentially. Everybody who is a both a climatologist and a physicist and understands how chemistry works knows that it doesn't work that way. Because we've had lots and lots more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and we didn't get super, super high temperatures. We got higher temperatures and life everywhere on this planet. Yeah, if the poles melt, yeah, it might flood... Pismo Beach and uh, Santa Monica and Florida and uh, that might happen but are they really going to melt because we see them increasing in some areas and we see them melting where there's volcanoes going off so where is the heat coming from somebody I know uh, dear friend and uh, he's on his way back from Colorado to his home and he said he was going to pass through Yellowstone and just for fun, go up and jump up and down on a super volcano. <laughs> like that makes him brave or something. Well, there is a super volcano at Yellowstone. And if it went off, it would change life on this planet. <laughs> it would wipe out tens of thousands of people. I mean, it really went off. And it might go off for a period of time. It may not go off for a thousand years, though. Or it may go off tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, likely, I would estimate it's not going to go off tomorrow, but there has been activity there. But let's, we're, not, we're supposed to fear not. Isn't that what the Bible says? Fear not. But we're also supposed to be as wise as the serpent and as harmless as doves. Are we that? Are we wise as serpents and as harmless as doves? I mean, Genesis 15.1, right off, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram, because he wasn't Abraham yet, in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. 
You know, and, and I kidded this morning about the meme that was floating around where shows Patrick Henry saying, give me liberty or give me $1,200 because that's supposedly what everybody's going to get because of this new $2 trillion uh, relief package, this reward package, this benefit package coming from the government, which all it does is drive you deeper and deeper into debt. Now, it may help out people, and I'm not telling you not to take it. You can take it if you want. That's perfectly okay as far as I'm concerned. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing if we're seeking the kingdom of God. Is also seeking the benefits of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. We shouldn't be looking to the benefits of men who are going to put your children farther and farther in debt. But that's what you're doing. And you're doing this all because they shut down and you, you know, I know people just, their business is just tanked. Just absolutely take stop dead, and they they weren't running a restaurant that was shut down, but they services serviced restaurants that shut down. I know all kinds of people. I know tent makers who businesses is being curtailed by this. Of course, I know a hairdresser. One of my in laws is a hairdresser. Shut down now. Fortunately, they've been looking for some time off, so they're just going to go. They're canning away, you know. Her husband uh, has a fruit stand, and that's still open. Gets curbside service, but <laughs> that's the way it is. The fruit stands are on the on the curb anyway. So she's doing lots and lots of canning and catching up on all the chores around home, and. And they they should be retired by most people's standards, but they are just busy, industrious people. So they're out there working. But fear not. You know, that's what they say. And, uh, you know, and Joseph said unto them, fear not, for I am in the place of God. What do you mean I'm in place of God? He He actually was a ruling judge. He had the power of... And authority of the Pharaoh. He was, he was there instead of the Pharaoh. He was still a slave. He had to serve the interests of the Pharaoh. But he also did it in a way that he was serving the interests of the people. Israel had to go into bondage because Israel had thrown their brother into bondage. And therefore they would, as you judge, so shall ye be judged. That's the way it works. Write it down. And so they threw their brother into bondage, and now they're going into bondage. Many Americans, Australians, Chinese, all over the world, people have been throwing their brothers into bondage. They've been applying to men who exercise authority. They've been entering into social welfare programs that are based on the idea of coveting your neighbor's goods, forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. I just rearranged the... uh, that how you see some of the words when you look for keys to the kingdom. And I, I cleaned it up. I actually had a repetition in there. I hadn't read it. I've just been copying and pasting it every day. And somehow or other, I had some double words. <laughs> but anyway, it talks about offering a unique perspective of the ancient text, hidden histories and natural laws. These things are not all that hidden. They're They're there where we can see them. But we don't uh, we don't put them together. Like Whitecliffe said, the Bible is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. 
And so how did the people free themselves from the bondage of Egypt? How did they free themselves from the bondage of Rome, which was the world of that time, at least where uh, Christ was and where we see most of the early Christians throughout Rome and Corinth and, and uh, Ephesus? They were all under the Roman New World Order. The same thing was going on in other parts of the planet, but uh, we see most of this history of the early church in amongst those people. Well, they had the Roman imperial cult, which you signed up, and then you had were eligible for the welfare, the free bread of Rome. Christians wouldn't sign up. That was the public religion of the Roman imperial cult. So they signed up with Christ by getting the baptism of Christ. They were cast out of those other systems, and they had their own system. And you see Paul implementing that system, not by going around conducting choir practice or getting everybody to sing, but actually providing for their need during times of shortages. Shortages of business, shortage of money, dearths in the land, famines in the land. And we've gone through the history of some of those famines and why they were occurring. And now we see you can't even buy toilet paper in the store. <laughs> so there's a shortage. I could tell you how you could get two miles of toilet paper. Relatively inexpensive. Two miles. Can you imagine that? And uh, and almost nobody knows about it. I will not tell you on the air. <laughs> I will only tell people in the network. And if you ask your minister... And he gets a hold of me during the minister call every Monday. I can tell you how he did it. Uh, it's not that big a deal. It's not that difficult to do. But I don't think that's really all that important. There's no real diarrhea usually with this particular disease. And most of you have already gotten it. That's right. That's what the study in Oxford is coming out and saying. That they believe that half of Great Britain, the the United Kingdom, has already gotten the virus. That's 33 million people. Count that against the uh, 759 dead and it's 0.002% death rate. And then, again, most of that death rate is people who are already immune compromised. And we talked this morning now. People who are immune compromised, they are, uh, the, the reason they're immune compromised is they're old or they've been smoking or they've been allowing themselves to get overweight or they had bad health habits and they got hypertension. Maybe they even got diabetes. I know people who are diabetic. And they changed their diet. I mean, drastically changed their diet. As a matter of fact, one of them is on the same diet that I'm on, which I call it a diet. I'm not dieting to lose weight, although I have lost a little bit of weight. I'm not that overweight to begin with, but I'm doing it for other reasons. Uh, I've evidently become insulin resistant. I'm not diabetic. I just have more insulin in my blood system than I should have. Because I become insulin resistant. This often happens when people get older. And there's probably a number of reasons. You know, at this day and age, almost everything you buy and eat is carbs. Either sugar or pasta or uh, breads. And, and that's been a big part of our diets. And after, you know, over 70 years of eating this stuff, I've, I appear to have gotten a little insulin resistance. Now, other people might not. Other people might do so even more, maybe even become diabetic. 
But the reality is that you may need to change your diet for your health. How do you know how to do that? You go online and Google people and, and get answers from people you don't even know? Or should you be in a network of people who actually care about their neighbor as much as they care about themselves? And they are saying, this is what I tried. And somebody else saying, this is what I tried. And when I tried this, this happened, so I changed it to this. That's the way you do it. You actually take back your responsibility. You gather together to try to pool your knowledge, not through the filtered realms of Google, but through the realms of righteousness. And they may come up and say, you know, you might try this diet or that diet. Maybe a juicing. It just depends on where you're at. I don't think anybody should have to juice for the rest of their life. But uh, unless, of course, they're 89 years old and they lost all their teeth and they're having trouble, well, maybe they should. I know people who were like 400 pounds and they went on a juicing diet and they got back down where they could run down the road and play ball with their kids. And then things happened and they got off their diet and they blew back up again. And then they went back to their diet and they went back. And I hope they stayed on it this time. But diet is important. What you put into your body is important. But you may need a support group to do it. I was talking to somebody this morning about people going to a psychologist because they have PTSD. And uh, I started referring to a congregation as your dream team. If anybody is, I didn't make any references other than that to the movie dream team. But I found the movie rather humorous in certain amount of depth to it, but it's just a humorous, lighthearted movie, but uh, with a little bit of action mixed in. But I found it entertaining. But really what I'm saying is that every congregation should be a dream team. It should be your group. It should be your support group. It's not supporting you in unrighteousness, but supporting you in your quest for seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's why you should be gathering. Not just to help yourself, but to help others. Because that brings a different spirit into that gathering. And you don't want to isolate yourself as many of the home church people do. And you certainly don't want to have to keep going to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And the only way you can do that, you can't usually do that with a home church unless one of the members of your home church is a multimillionaire. But you could do it if you gathered, like Christ said, in groups of ten, and then ten groups of ten, and then ten groups of a hundred. That's the way the early church was organized. And that was the only way that Paul could be taking supplies to towns he's never been to. And redistributing the bread of those supplies from house to house during these economic crises, which, of course, there was people hoarding and the government was confiscating food. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why they were persecuting Christians is because they were trying to get, you know, and throwing their bishops in jail is because then they wanted to take the food that the bishop had stored. But the way the kingdom of God works is you don't have centralized treasuries where they can just break into the central treasury, you know, where you have a, you know, the Mormons had some big granaries. And I don't know, there's probably thousands of tons of grain in these big granaries. Well, if you had that and there was really a food shortage, guess what? The National Guard will show up and take it. 
But that's not the way kingdom of God works, is that everybody has a little extra to share with everybody else. Those who have extra share with those who don't have enough. That's what it said right in the text of the early church long before Constantine were saying this is how we do it. Gather every week and make sure everybody can get through this week. And we don't have big treasuries, but what they had was a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. And, uh, you know, we, we were just having a meeting with somebody who actually works with, with the government. And uh, I've known for 40 years. And uh, he was helping us look over an idea of communicating between ourselves when the cell phones go down, when the Internet goes down. Can we create our own network locally here? Now, we may not be able to get out to everybody else, but with shortwave equipment, we could send a message out to somebody at a distance, and then he could spread that message with the same type of network in the local area. But messages aren't going to feed your kids, so what you want to also have is other ways in which to share with one another. And, of course, that's what the Christians were doing in the first century. You're not doing that. So if Rome goes, you're gone. (laughs) You're in a lot of trouble. And, you know, like I was saying, I actually said this, and then a government official actually put it on his webpage. He was he was talking about uh, you know we have to keep the agricultural businesses open and and keep the you know the, they have to put in their crops they only have a short window you cannot deprive them of parts they have to be prepared to plant their crops if they don't plant their crops there's not going to be any food next year and I jokingly said when he was telling me this I said yeah if if they don't get in a crop this year they won't need toilet paper next year is <laughs> because. You don't, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have any food. And we haven't ever experienced food shortages. I mean, I was shocked. This is the first time I've seen empty shelves in America, uh, since, um, uh, was it Hurricane Carla or whatever it was when I was a little kid? That was over 50, 60 some years ago. And I saw some empty shelves. Oh, also there was an earthquake. In uh, California, Northridge earthquake that was that was fifty years ago, and uh, I saw empty shelves then, but they weren't quite bare. I mean, like the whiskey aisle, all the bottles fell into the middle. <laughs> there, there was stuff there, but it just wasn't on the shelf anymore. But there were people hoarding and grabbing stuff. But I, I think what I saw this time was worse, and they're all doing it because the coronavirus is going to kill you. Except it's not. Now, think about that. The experts are saying in UK, half the people have already had the virus. That means they've already been exposed, gone through it, become immune. This is the natural way we do it every year. There are new viruses every year. Some of them are very weak. They don't travel well. They, they, they Maybe they only attach themselves to certain types of cells and you don't even know it. Maybe, you know, you get a get a pain in some other part of your body and you know and you get over it but this is usually attaches to the type 2 cells in seems to affect the type 2 cells in your lungs and then if they damage enough of that tissue then then you may have a, a secondary infection in that dead tissue in your lungs and that secondary infection can cause the the aviola to fill up with liquid and then you get pneumonia and you literally drown. 
And it's not the virus that's really directly killing you, but your immune reaction to the secondary infection of caused by the death of some cells in your lungs. So anyway, it's all complicated, but what's really going on is that people who are old and don't have good immune systems or don't know how to calm their immune systems down react and die. You know, they overreact and die. There are ways, you know, so they found that certain chemicals will will reduce, will retard that immune system, and that will has saved some people. And they're trying that and a number of other uh, drugs they've been using that do the same thing. Immune suppressants have helped these people that are overreacting so that their bodies can eventually develop the antigens and stop whatever the virus is actually doing. And then the other cells can heal themselves. But when you're 89 years old, that's pretty hard to do. And so the best thing is to keep those people from getting sick and the rest of us get immune so it can no longer travel in our community. That's called herd immunity. Well, England's well on its way. Get up to 60, 70% and you got herd immunity and it's not going to travel around. It's going to be around for decades or more. But it's not going to travel so rapidly through society because it's not, nobody's going to be passing on the virus. Cause let me remember, viruses are like a lie. They don't reproduce themselves. Somebody else has to replicate it. And that's what's happened in Christianity. Somebody has started telling lies. They were telling them right away, but they really got going around 300 AD. And they've been telling more and more lies about the gospel of the kingdom. We talked about some of those this morning. We talk about them all the time. And these lies are passed from generation to generation, from church congregation to church congregation. And that's got to stop. And that's why we created the websites Preparing You and His Holy Church and a number of other websites, other guys. You know, it's an individual deal. So we have other guys putting the same information up on their own websites, the same audios, and hopefully soon the same recordings. We, we're still waiting for a shipment of a few plugins that we need. And they've all been delayed by the coronavirus. What we'll, we keep on living and I keep putting things together to put together on the videos when we get going on them. But the reality is, you know, time is running out for everybody because things could get worse. What's really going? Why? Obviously the media is not going to give you the estimates that were extremely lower than what we hear as the terrifying estimates to create fear amongst the people successfully done and uh, so they tell you that but they don't tell you about all the others that we mentioned on our page on coronavirus at uh, preparing you and and there's far more than I mentioned I mean I've read uh, studies and analysis and all that stuff as fast as I could in my breaks and when we're I had other people drive and then I could read and and so but there's all kinds of experts that were saying this is not that big a deal. There's videos out by doctors who've been in the field for decades and say, why are everybody panicked? We should not be panicked. There is a way to handle this. And we, I mean, they just found a bunch of ventilators in New York that were just stored away. Incompetent. Incompetence. Uh, like I, I told somebody who is a liaison to a hospital board and, uh, for the government and he was saying how ill prepared they are and they're running out of masks and well 
you know, my daughter sews tents. <laughs> she has all kinds of equipment. We have several neighbors that are great quilters and sewers. And so they're, they're putting together patterns and they're sewing masks for them. I mean, better masks than you could buy. And reusable masks where you just put clean gauze in them. You know, layers of clean gauze in between the cloth. And they're different color on both sides. So they form fit to your face. So you know this side always goes out and this side always goes in. Also, you can identify so that you don't ever pick up somebody else's. But like I say, they can be re-sterilized. So we're giving them a better product and we're just making them. And you could be doing that everywhere. There's all kinds of people at home with sewing machines. They should be doing that. And they, they finally used up a lot of that cloth that they had before. And there's things, that, all kinds of things you could be doing. But that's like taking responsibility. That's not what the world does. The world says, government, save me. And they go into the judges, which they have, you know, created for themselves. And they say, save us. You know, like it says in Judges 10:14, go and cry unto the gods. Gods, the same word gods is also translated judges. And it is also means, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, ruling judges. And that's what your government is. They're the, they're the ones that judge that you all have to stay inside. They're the ones that judge that this is bad. They're the ones that are telling you that if this is bad. And it's bad. Any flu virus is bad. Any, you know, I was just reading the statistics this morning of how many people died from flu viruses in Italy in 2017, 2015, 2014. What? Huge numbers. A disproportionate number to other people. Why? Because there's a lot of old Italians. And they live in the home. Somebody was just talking to me this morning and they says, well, you know, I keep talking about when the sun comes out and people go out, the virus is going to probably decrease because sun eviscerates viruses if it's exposed to the sun and you get hot temperatures. You really want temperatures about 133, but if Degrees, but if you have sun and hot temperatures and drying winds, these things start falling apart and they start disappearing. Also, if you're out, you know, in a park or on the beach and you sneeze and it goes into the sand, it's not likely to contaminate anybody else. If it goes into the salt water, I mean, it's done for. But if you sneeze in your hand and then put it on the stainless steel handrail in the stairwell, Somebody else is going to pick it up, whatever a virus is, and we've talked about that. But the reality is that, uh, looking at the time here, I should have taken a break already. The reality is, is, and he says, well, if that's so, why are we still getting, you know, Florida has one of the highest uh, flu rates of anywhere. Well, it doesn't have the highest. New York and California are doing, you know, really bad, and usually in the cities. That's the concentration of the problem. But what is Florida? It is a gigantic retirement community. You have a disproportionate amount of elderly people who are living in their houses, air-conditioned houses, not out in the sun, not, uh, you know, out, you know, traveling around. You have this, and if you, and a lot of them end up in convalescent homes, and in the hospitals, because that's where they live now. They live in Florida. They all retired to Florida. And so you have a the, the most vulnerable people concentrating in places like Florida and in retirement communities. Everywhere there's retirement communities in Florida. So you're going to have more cases 
that are going to show up on the radar because those are the ones that are going to show symptoms. See, whenever you gather statistics, you have to be really careful because people can skew the statistics to create an image in your mind that just ain't so. They've done it for thousands of years with the Bible. They just skip certain things and emphasize others. You know, they always see that in writing. They say, an emphasis added. And, well, they don't tell you that now. I'm emphasizing something and you, I, I don't want you to see this over here. So I emphasize this and say, this is the important thing. No. You, you have to take the whole gospel. See, when you start leaving out elements of the gospel, what you're preaching is not the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of lies, because that's the nature of a lie, is to leave off some truth. If a really good lie has a lot of truth in it, like Jesus Christ is the way, that, that's true. There's nothing you can do where God owes you salvation. That's true. Uh, that salvation is a gift. That, but if God is going to write upon your heart and upon your mind, you've got to clean some of the junk off of that, those slates of your nature to let him have room to write upon your heart and your mind. And if he says, thou shalt not covet, you need to take that to heart. If you don't take that to heart, then God is not writing that on your heart. You've kept God from writing that on your heart. You're saying, well, wait a minute. I paid in to the system, so I have a right to take from it. Yeah, according to the system, yes. But according to God, it's still coveting your neighbor's goods. Am I telling you you can't collect Social Security? I don't collect Social Security. Uh, a lot of the other people I know don't collect Social Security. They don't go and get... They're not going to get the $1,200. And even if they were eligible, they're not going to go get it. They're seeking the kingdom. Now, I don't want to see any of you starve, but I want to see all of you seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And that's... That's expensive. It's, it doesn't require you to write a check necessarily. I mean, you do what you want. But it requires that you give up something of that nature that has been given to you by those benefactors or those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. So anyway, I sent out a message earlier and uh, see who would... Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, so no, I was looking for people who would send me remedies. One of the first things I want to say to anybody, and I think this is really important, is... is it's just on the top here, is that if you get the flu, do not take Advil. Do not take uh, ibuprofen. Don't take those things. Those are just, you, they're not going to do anything to get rid of the virus, and they can actually cause the virus or the damage that the virus can cause to worsen because those are inhibitors. Those will decrease your ability to produce certain enzymes that are necessary for healing. And... Uh, it's a way of reducing that immune response. You know, you got a headache, that's maybe part of a immune response or, you, or a fever, and you take these things to reduce that. The thing is, it's not selective. It may reduce things you do, enzymes you do need. Those enzymes that are acting from those cells, you know, that are facing the virus. Now, there are other things. Now, I, I don't take any of those things ever. And when I had what appears to be the coronavirus, and if you go to our 
coronavirus page at preparingyou.com. We'll tell you a lot of stuff. I'm not going to go over it in every program. And there's some audios there where I did that, so you can listen to those audios if you don't want to read the details. But, like I said, this Oxford study is saying most people already have it. You go back to the earliest studies, like the, the Diamond Princess study, this closed population, lots and lots of people were showing little or no symptoms at all. They were asymptomatic. asymptomatic. Those are the asymptomatic people could still carry the disease for a little while. They're just not, get, they're probably not big spreaders of the disease because they're not running fevers, they're not mass producing any, any, uh, replications. But they could spread the disease, you know, for a little bit of time and spread it on to somebody else. So they should, so everybody should be washing their hands and all that kind of stuff to slow down the spread of the disease. But you're not going to stop it. Again, it, they never said they're going to stop it. They said they're going to slow it down. Which means in six months, in six years, this virus is still going to be around. And if you have large section, sections of the population that have not become immune, it can get going again and start killing all kinds of people. I mean, all you need is one cook in a convalescent home with 300 patients. I've worked in convalescent homes with 300 patients. And I was the cook, as a matter of fact. And uh, if I infect the people, the young people working in the kitchen, and they start handling the food trays and, and don't exercise proper hygiene, we can infect the entire uh, 300 people. And then there you go. you got half the deaths of the entire Great Britain in one convalescent home, especially like the one up in Washington was severely ill elderly. So it can, it can come back. And uh, what you need to do is realize there are these viruses every year, all kinds of different ones. They've been coming for years and years. And, you know, some of the medications that they put you on in the hospital, at a hospital, food could kill you, you know. I personally think that a lot of you, that if you get the flu, you should cut down on sugar immediately. And you should cut down on carbs immediately. Eat something else other than carbs. Because carbs, you know, pasta and all that stuff, those carbs and bread, they just start turning into sugar. And, you know, like one slice of bread supposedly could be five teaspoons of sugar. Equivalent, if your body broke it all down at one time. But... Sugar is not good for the immune system. It slows the immune system down. And so there's other things. But like if you start getting that congestion, sauna, hot bath, things that relax you, music. There, now you can have some music <laughs> that slows down your system. Meditation. We have a page teaching you about meditation. You want to slow the system down. And one of the things that you want to do more than anything else, is fear not. So how do you do fear not? <laughs> because fear not is a negative. It means not fearing. So what you want to do is something that is the antithesis of fear, which is faith. See, we're supposed to be, if we're seeking the kingdom, we're supposed to be living by faith, hope, and charity. But the world doesn't operate by faith, hope, and charity. The world operates by force, fear, and fealty. That's why they get you to sign up for things like Social Security and 
you know, workman's comp. Now you're going to, have to sign all kinds of paper to get your $1,200 and your, your aid for your business. But it will be very clear at the end of this that all those people who signed up for all these $2 trillion in benefits belong to the world. They're helping their children out. They're not helping out foreigners. They're helping out their children. And you, you, this is how you get entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Not that you aren't already, but they're just confirming it. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, and I should get to that. I'm looking at time here. Behind the scenes, like I say, they're changing all kinds of banking regulations. Unprecedented. You know, we, we no longer have a fractional reserve system. It doesn't exist anymore. There is no fractional reserve system. They just did away with it this last week. What you have is a zero reserve system. This is totally zero reserve system. Now, it was stupid to have a fractional reserve system to begin with, especially when that fractional reserve was 10%. And then when it got so that they were loaning billions of dollars, maybe even trillions of dollars every night so that all the banks on their books would look like they were solvent. Now they don't have to do that because they don't they don't need to have that 10% anymore. And the, the fact that you even got down to 10% reserve should mean like, you know, you have enough money to pay off all your creditors right now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, like... Uh, if you had credit unions, which we've been saying for years, his church should form a credit union. But we can't get enough people to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to do it. We can't get enough people who really support that idea. Now, a credit union is still involved in that Federal Reserve System, but it it could be created in a way, legally created. I've looked at all the bylaws for federal credit unions and state credit unions. We'd probably go with a federal credit union. Now, I can't start it. You know, I could be on the board of directors because you only usually have uh, either three or seven people, an odd number, on the board of directors. And they can't receive a salary. It has to be all volunteer. I could do that. I probably wouldn't. I'd find somebody else to do that. But uh, if you had your own credit union, you could create the exact same network that the church used. And right now, you'd allow people to do banking, and because they're headed for cashless society, the number of stores that people are running into that won't take cash, it's stupid not to take cash. But that's stupid is as stupid does, and people are being stupid. Because, like I say, if half the people in uh, United Kingdom has already had the virus, like the experts say, then in, and like we saw with polio, it was more than half. And then they come out with a vaccine and and then they have almost no cases anymore. The cases even were depleting before they came out because you were already approaching that immunity. Except for like with the polio virus, it can live quite a while in water. And, uh, in, you know, that's why you still see polio showing up in, in some wild polio. A lot of the polio that you see today is coming from the vaccines, according to the experts. According to the CDC, it's coming from the vaccines, not coming from the wild virus. But you will find the wild virus in some tropical areas of uh, of Nigeria and stuff, getting young people sick because the young people don't have the immunity yet. But it's also probably because of diet 
and exposure. They don't have the plumbing systems that we have. That could that could decrease the disease until the children develop immunity. You can pass immunity on from you to other people. The same as you can pass on the disease. Now, doctors don't want you to know that. Doctors don't want you to know that almost every uh, polio, uh, Spanish flu, all these things were cured because the people became immune. They don't want you to know that. The high death rate of the Spanish flu was because doctors were prescribing aspirin in unprecedented amounts. Why? Because aspirin was cheap then, because the patent ran out and everybody was producing it. So they were giving as much as 30 grams of aspirin a day to a patient who had lung problems. And then he started bleeding in his lungs and drowned. And they're wondering, like, I wonder why he died. You know, well, because you killed them. Uh, Well, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about something else. How many people, how many errors, you know, would you like some thalidomide? Uh, we know that doctors can screw up. How many people, I asked this this morning, how many people were injured with the swine vaccine? I mean, and how many people died from the swine vaccine or paralyzed from the swine vaccine? Do you have any idea that you think you're going to hear that on CNN? Not now. You're going to hear that the vaccine is going to save us and you're going to be vaccinating Millions of people who are already immune because everybody's looking for the vaccine and nobody's looking for a test for the antigens. And they did this with polio until after the fact. Then they started looking for a test for the antigens to see who was already immune. They found out that most of the people were already immune before they even got the vaccine. And you were just getting the vaccine because somebody was making millions and millions and millions of dollars. You didn't need it. But they're going to make it mandatory. The panic and fear in people is ridiculous. Uh, they're going to think like, if you don't get the vaccine, I might get sick from you. But you got the vaccine. How are you going to get sick? Doesn't the vaccine make you immune? Well, you need to get the vaccine because I got the vaccine. So if we meet at a bar, I have to get drunk because you get drunk? No, they're not reasonable. The The zombies are here already. What you need to do is start gathering together with reasonable, loving, industrious, effectual people that want to walk in the ways of Christ. They're humble enough to allow their minds to be repentant so that God may write his character, his wisdom upon their minds and upon their hearts. That's what you should be doing. It's not denominational. It's tens, hundreds, and thousands. A network of charity that cares as much about one another as they care about themselves. That's what you are supposed to be doing according to Christ. He's the expert. What did Christ do? The only time he said, commanded his uh, disciples who became his church, his called out. That's what he's doing. He's calling out these disciples to be his church. To be the government of faith, hope, and charity instead of the government of force. Fear and fealty. This, this is the other government. Even still today in the law dictionary, the church is another form of government. Now you know what that form looks like. That is the key to liberty. That is the key to the kingdom of God. And, you know, besides changing all the banking laws, now, if you're arrested, 
They can postpone your trial for a year or more even after the pandemic crisis is lifted. Even after the virus is completely gone. So next year, when the virus isn't around, if it's not around at all next year, it may be around a little bit next year. It could be, it, it could kind of disappear for a little while and then come back, like I say, several years later. We've seen that before and there's a reason for that. We won't go into all that. But whether there's a virus or not and they have mass arrests, they don't have to try you for a year. Speedy trial, that's gone. They just, now you say, well, you can't do that. It's not constitutional. They're going to do it. Because these people, they haven't cared about the Constitution. The fact that they've quarantined everybody so that you can't go out and work, that's not constitutional. There's a lot of things that aren't constitutional that they can do. A lot of things they're doing that people think are not constitutional are constitutional because of the contract clause. When you sign for that $1,200, you're signing a contract. You're, you, you have written evidence now that you're one of theirs. That you're one of their, their merchandise. You are knowing, everybody knows the government's a debt. Everybody knows this trillion dollars is not coming out of the treasury. It's going, it's creating more debt. Everybody knows that. It's been in the news. If you don't know that, your your head's been in the sand. And yet you still want to get money from them. That you know is just increasing that debt and putting greater and greater burdens on your children to come. You're, you're cursing your children with this debt when you take that money. Now, I know you all think you need that money, but if you don't need that money, you pray about it to God. Maybe you don't want to take it. Maybe you can get going and get back on your feet. But if you get in the congregations of tens, hundreds, and thousands and really start doing what Christ said, next time you won't have to go to them. Next time, you know, if if you run out of toilet paper, we might be able to get you some. <laughs> or maybe we'll get you uh the the food that you're going to eat tomorrow. Maybe we'll find shelter for you somewhere else in the network. Because that's why I said we don't want to build some big community or commune somewhere where everybody goes and becomes this gigantic bullseye with some big, huge, giant granary sticking up in the middle of it. You know, you're just making yourself a target. We want to be tens, hundreds, and thousands where all the love and charity and resources are spread out through a network of people who actually have taken the time to get to know one another, find out who they trust, share information, share resources, share their lifeblood so that we can get through whatever real disaster may come along someday in the world. Because I think this is just a practice run. They found out that they can impose martial law they're doing martial law light right now. You know, not only do they not have to try you for a year or more. I don't know what or more is a year or more. Is that two years or more too? Because <laughs> or more is pretty indefinite. But if they do try you, they can do it in a video. They can just, You don't even get to sit in the same room as the judge. You don't get to sit in the same room as the prosecutors. You don't get to sit in the same room as the witnesses. You're doing this by video, by conference call. Yep, guilty. Yep, guilty. Yep, guilty. That's a drastic change in the jurisprudence of America. 
we already had drastic changes. The, all the things they're putting into place. I, I remember the executive orders when we first came across them way back. We're almost out of time. The executive orders of John F. Kennedy, because he wanted to do away with the Federal Reserve. He, he was going to slowly replace the need for Federal Reserve notes by printing U.S. federal notes. And and I have some still. He didn't print very many, but he just started doing it. Next thing you know, he shot. Now, did the Federal Reserve shoot him? I don't know. Who knows who shot him? Actually, I could tell you some stuff about that in not enough time. But what uh, he did was he signed all these executive orders. Almost every president sent since that I know of had been signing the same executive orders because he knew that the economy might crash when he starts doing this because the feds had such power, uh, international power over our economy. And he thought he would need these in order to get us through. Well, unfortunately, he's dead. And then the next president, LBJ, who I don't trust as far as I can throw, he had that power. See, you create offices of power, men who seek power seek office. And you don't want that. You want to stay away from that. You want to stay as far away from that as you possibly can. But it's too late. You've already gone that way. So what do you do? You know, the, this power corrupts. And so what you have to do, join us on the network. Start learning how a free society works. Start creating that free society and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And do it out of love for others, not just to save yourself. So anyway, that's where you need to go. That's what you need to do. And if you do that, then may God be with you. And until then, peace on your house. We'll see you on the network. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.